0: Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske.
1: Hey everybody, Jason here, and this is episode 10 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Welcome back. I'm going to spend a few minutes, you know, going over a couple things, but try not to take too much time. Uh, We do have an extra long episode today because you're... <laughs> Your happy-go-lucky host got pretty wrapped up in the uh, this upcoming interview. We lost track of time, but as you're going to see, there's just too much good stuff. Oh my gosh, this is a this is this might be very well could be my favorite episode so far. We'll see. I, I don't know. It, it this is this is a lot of fun. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, let me start with the quick our our weekly thank yous. Uh, Podcast Garden, of course, our host site. They have a lot of shows out there for you to listen to. If you're interested in other, finding other podcasts like mine, uh, if you want to start your own show, you can do so for free. You just record your show, enter the information, hit the upload button, and you are off and running. I want to thank You store All out of Warrensburg, Missouri. They are uh, one of our sponsors of the show. You Store All they they can take care of all of your self storage needs. They have a fully fenced in facility. It's gated access climate control, conventional, the whole place is concrete driveways and well-lit all night long. You know, that's the place to go. So don't forget to check out their website at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. Thank you for sponsoring the show. So last week we had Martha Carr on here. We had a wonderful time. It was, uh, it was my first chance getting to talk to her. And, uh, man, she surprised me a couple days later. I got a, got a little care package in the mail with my own uh, Got Troll mug. <laughs> and it has a, has a picture of Lyra and YTT on one side, Got Troll on the other side. Here's a picture of this up on my Facebook page. So if you head over there, facebook.com slash Sample Chapter Podcast, you can see a picture of me taking a sip out of that coffee mug. Now, See, and that's, that's why you need to be following my Facebook page because yes, we're going to talk about things on the show, but, uh, if I hear about contests or uh, giveaways and stuff, I'm going to also share that. So make sure you go over to facebook.com slash sample chapter podcast and like the page so you can get updated on any kind of new releases or contests or giveaways, whatever. And you yourself could end up with something like that. This was, this was really cool. And, and, uh. You know, I'm really appreciative of uh, Martha Carr sending me one of those. And I've got it set up right here in my office right now, looking right at it. So, hey, YTT. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I also need to do a shout out to Roger Colby from back in episode three. Uh, Yeah, he's my good buddy out of Oklahoma. And he snuck in book three of the Five Rim series. The Shibboleth Code came out, I think it was Friday, uh, last week. I had been up to my eyeballs and work and in and out all over the place lots of stuff going on so Mm -hmm. I totally missed that he was even doing this and all of a sudden next thing I know I get an email and boom there it is and uh, so you you gotta check it out I've got also over on our Facebook page I've got a picture of his cover which is outstanding man this thing is a cool cover you gotta look at it but be sure to hop over to his Amazon page and uh, or go go to his his website writingishardwork.com and you can see the uh, the book and uh, follow the links to pick up a copy of it for yourself. So hey Roger, congratulations. Today's show is a a wonderful example of writing community and writers how, how we branch out and become friends with each other. Just like Roger, you know, he and I have been friends for years. Uh, because of he did a writing podcast that I was listening to. And we started communicating back and forth and became friends. Same thing. After Roger's show sure went off the air, I found this other show with a couple of guys. And I started corresponding with them. And next thing you know, we have a blossoming friendship uh, amongst writers. They uh, were brand new at the time. They had been recording their show, which was tracking their, their beginnings as a writer. It was a really, really cool concept. Uh, It's called The Part-Time Writer Podcast with Lee Barbant and Chris Raymond. It was a really cool show. They would uh, talk about how they would uh, try, try, fail, try, try, fail, try, try, success each week as they learned the whole process of writing and putting out new books. And uh, it was a really cool concept and really cool show, fun to listen to. And uh, like I said, I got to correspond with them and we became, you know, we become friends and we've corresponded a few times and so getting to talk to them was a, was a real highlight for me, uh, getting to actually see them and, and, and speak through Skype in person. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's because of these guys that I've had some of the guests that I've got so far, uh, you know, they now write in the Michael Anderle universe and it's because of, uh, talking with them. They were the ones who helped set up my talk with Michael Anderle in the first place. And, uh, through that, you know, became, came, uh, Martha Carr and, you know, it's just kind of opened the door to this whole other uh, whole other whole other world for me. You know, thanks to these guys and man, I mean, this is this has just been awesome, and I'm I'm having a fantastic time getting to talk to people. You know, I don't know. I you're going to see in this episode. I mean, we talk and we laugh and we have a great time, and it's like a couple of old friends getting together. You're going to see real quick why I'm I'm looking at this as perhaps one of my favorite episodes. So let's get on over to the show uh, with Lee Barbant and Chris Raymond.
0: Uh, Today we have Lee Barbant and Chris Raymond with us today. Guys, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Hey. Jason. Thanks for having us. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have you both. Uh, This is is a a great pleasure for me and... uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. So, uh, well, let's start things off. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourselves and how you guys got started writing together.
2: Yeah, huh? It was a dark and stormy night. You, you talk about the. Uh... You're the one who got who got me started in this, so I feel like you should be the one. Yeah, Lee and I, Lee, Lee and I have known each other for years, and uh, actually, he was
3: one of my students, mm-hmm. believe it or not.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: the student has become the master. <laughs> Still your student, oh. Oh, always your student. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so after he had uh, graduated from the program that I teach at, uh, you know, he just hung around town looking for work. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, I had started uh, probably three and a half years ago. I started writing fiction. I was writing little stories for my daughter. And one night we were sitting around drinking around a campfire. And I looked at Lee and I said, hey, we should write a story together. And he said, OK. And that's how it all started. I'm pretty agreeable.
2: Uh, that's, that's, that's my personality.
3: <laughs> when he said, OK, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> you were just trying to be polite. Right? <laughs> I was, yeah. I was just trying to make conversation because I'm so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so uh, so let's see, two 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 years ago, yeah, we started writing together, mm-hmm. and uh, we've done we've done uh, a lot of different projects.
2: You want to talk about? Yeah, we had a our we had a superhero trilogy set in good old Pittsburgh, uh, where we're based out of, and that was a ton of fun. The Steel City Heroes. The Steel City Heroes um, about. Professors in the city trying to, you know, figure out how to teach well and then fight crime. Fight crime and get so healthcare. It's only semi-autobiographical. That's right. Um, then we did a kind of a sci-fi thriller series that technically is still ongoing, um, but we haven't done anything with it for a while. The uh, Jack Carson series, which we had a ton of fun with, kind of, uh, you know, the big mystery throughout the whole thing. But then each book uh, has got its own self-contained story. The last year of our life has been totally devoted to writing in Michael Andler's Catherin Gambit universe. Um, we started a new age called the Age of Magic. It takes place 700 years in the future. Uh, the world's kind of reverted back to a medieval state, and magic has arisen. And it's about the you know the heroes and villains who try to try to make the earth their own. Yeah, work on our new series now. Um, it's an urban fantasy series with gods uh the return of the gods to earth and the the chaos that they bring with them and the humans kind of caught in the midst of that and that's been kind of it's been a ton of fun it's been really fun yeah
0: <laughs> so uh all right so you guys you already talked about it a little bit you got uh, the jack carson series the steel city heroes now you're in age of magic you got a, a real uh knack for developing heroes so what uh, hmm. go about developing the uh, the heroes that you have in there
3: oh Man, that's a great question. We thought this was gonna be like a fluff interview. Yeah, we thought this was gonna be softballs.
0: Jeez. <laughs> I gotta give the readers something to look forward to. Let <laughs>
3: well, Let me start on this one, and then I'll let yeah. you jump in because um, Lee is he's like a superhero. Uh, you know, he's like a superhero fanatic, and I would say that I'm more like the fantasy, urban fantasy type guy. So when we first started writing our first book, one of my favorite series that I had just finished reading, or caught up with was uh was Jim Butcher's The Dresden File series. And so I had this when we started writing, I had this picture in my head that we we're gonna do this urban fantasy in kind of the style of Butcher, and we were gonna have like these snarky, these snarky like uh, magicians running around the streets of Pittsburgh. And before I knew it, Lee tricked me. So why don't you take over and talk about your superheroes
2: heroes? are just so cool right now. I don't know why everyone should be writing superheroes. I don't understand and even more so, everybody should read, be reading superheroes, which they're not.
3: But but how do we how do you craft
2: our yeah our it's what, it's what would you say about that it's it's an evolving process for us. One of the things that we committed to when we first started writing is to constantly push ourselves to be better. Um, so I think each series we've done, we've we've figured out I, I don't know an, our style that we like more and more. I th- and then working with Michael has been really helpful with that because Michael is a, a lover of a pure hero. So with the Steel City Heroes. Uh, I was really in, invested in the idea of flawed people uh, kind of forced to make heroic choices. Um, and so the biggest like critical pushback we got from the book was that all of our characters were terrible people. Um, <laughs> why Why would anyone like them? And so, and there's something I, just, I still, I still have a little spot in my heart for, for the flawed hero. Um, but then kind of working the age of magic, working alongside of Michael, we came to see that that people really love investing themselves as readers into someone they can really get behind, someone they can really root for, someone who's who's got their code and is going to stick to it. Um, and so we've been trying to, I don't know, find the balance of that, I think. Characters that are heroic and then still have their flaws and part of their journey is not just defeating the bad guy, but defeating their own flaws and stuff. Yeah, chasing down their demons. Yeah, literal demons and the and metaphorical demons. That's right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I Love it. Now, you've also, with your... With each of your heroes, uh, especially when you started out with uh, Steel City, you got heroes who have specialized powers. Uh, there's the mm-hmm. the Russian guy. There's the uh, I, I'm forgetting the name. You may have to
3: jump in on there. You got the uh, the poet. If we can no.
2: Oh, so many. Yeah, Elijah and and Willa. Willa. is the poet, and then mm-hmm. we have Elijah who's got a steel. Uh-huh. A molten steel monster, and yeah. He's been possessed by the spirit of a Croatian uh, protector, uh, local <laughs> deity. A lot of research. Yeah, we <laughs> the first books took a lot of research. Um, that's something that yeah
3: was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then we had Kem, who was like the uh, he was like the crazy, you know, chemist who got thrown out of the academy for doing all sorts of dirty stuff.
2: Yeah, the mad scientist. Mad scientist, um, um, but like. Who could be a hero i'm starting to like these books again I, it's that's it, that really that, you'll, never, you'll never um your first thing for me anyways was the first thing that i ever wrote and that uh you never forget your first time yeah i i will always be devoted to the still city heroes yeah um and i love the fact that we we set it in pittsburgh that was just a blast for me um the best Which is our home yeah the best review i ever got um uh, someone was like a Pittsburgher that i knew was reading they're like i i feel like I know exactly where the action's happening, I know why it's happening, I know the context. I feel like I can see myself in the story. And the best critical review we ever got was someone was like, well, I guess if you like Pittsburgh, you'll like this book. Three stars. Yeah, so uh, I took that, that's a that's a badge of honor for us, I guess. But we haven't gone back to Pittsburgh in any of our series. I, Not I, yet. I have, a, in my mind, uh, all of our books will eventually converge back in Pittsburgh. Might have to wait to like- With book, one massive meetup. Book 50 of the Rise of, of all Magic. The yeah. <laughs>
0: It was to Pittsburgh. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> well, and then, so then you had that, you got uh, Jack Carson, who's got the mysterious thing. Uh, I, I've only read the first book, and you just touched on it, which was a masterful stroke, so just touch on it, don't go into it. I have, huh. I, I, I'm sad to say I have book two, but I haven't started it yet, so you, know, you have to forgive me. Uh-huh. But you got, he's he was affected <laughs> by something, and he's using this power. How did you develop what's going on with Jack Carson? Maybe you can you guys can describe it without, I don't know if it's a spoiler there or
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an interesting one because it was our first shot at something that's more like a thriller. So we wanted to we wanted to give it like the thriller vibe, but also make it definitely sci fi. So we wanted we wanted to like have something that carried the reader along with sort of a mystery about this guy who you know nothing about. And actually, I almost said that we should read the first chapters of that because I really like those first chapters where he's like on the bus. Yeah. You know, he's sitting next to some kid from the military. You know, a, a young marine or something, and you're getting this vibe about him, but you can't really make out what his deal is. Mm-hmm. And he kind of wanders into this town, and there's something different about him. And we start dropping some clues, and it really is by the end. Is it by the? It's a novella, so you get there relatively
2: quickly. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the first book, you get a sense that he of his power. Yeah, you get a sense of uh, what he is, but not why why he is and that was it was a, it was a difficult book for us to write because we we typically spend a lot of time in our characters' minds uh, on, on the page a lot of internal monologue, a lot of narration and stuff um, but with Jack Carson we didn't want we wanted to keep the readers out of his head as for as long as possible and as much as possible and so that was that was really it was kind of a trick for us um, to try to tell a book with a, with a main character um, that people could like without ever really knowing. Who he is, what he is. Yeah. There's some red herrings thrown in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Yeah. I, I still, I think if I could go back and recommend to us to not do that, that, that certainly not as our, that was our, like, our sophomore effort. Uh, I think that was a bit beyond us, but I really enjoyed it and I liked those books, so maybe I, maybe it's good I didn't listen to Future Me.
0: Well, you know, something with Jack that I really liked too, though, was that, I mean, it, it gave me a very uh, Bruce Banner, The Incredible Hulk kind of vibe. You know, he's out there roaming, he's solving some problems. Uh, you know, he's got this thing going on with him that uh, helps him, but yeah, he's also being hunted. So it was, it was really cool. We
2: we always told ourselves it was uh, the superheroes meet the A team. <laughs> we did.
3: That's what I always told myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you always talked about. It. Here's what I liked. I liked the idea that it was like. A sci-fi thriller in contemporary day with, like, a Western vibe going on. Yeah, the
2: Western. So there was, like, yep. kind of a Western...
3: Uh, he at least that's in, what we were shooting He rolls for into he town, kind of rolls into
2: town, the stranger. Um, yep. Yeah, deals some damage. Um, his methods are not always clean, you yeah. know, but he gets the job done. I I, I like that kind of character a Save lot. Save the girl. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah. That's fun.
0: I can see that. that. That works really well with it. Uh Nice. <laughs> Then you get into your age of magic, and I mean, just kind of awesome. You know, everything you got. I mean, you got magic, so it just goes. Uh, you know, I've to,
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: I, I've talked with people who made magic that were based on uh, magicians can see ribbons, and that's how they pull strings and make magic happen. Other uh, ones mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, all all sorts of different things. Where does your magic, uh, like, where do you see it coming from, and how did you develop that?
3: Yeah. Cool. Well, by the time uh, your listeners listen to this, Michael's Michael's uh, interview and story will be will be up. So that should be that should be helpful in kind of getting to it. So we're writing we're writing in Michael's Catherian Gambit universe, but we really try to write it in such a way that people can jump into our series, uh, the Rise of Magic in the Age of Magic. So the first book's Restriction. The hope is they can jump into that without having reading uh, read all of Michael's books. But it, the cool thing about what we're doing. So I remember before I'd even met Michael, I remember reading his tagline, and it was something like "Everything you know about vampires and werewolves is wrong." Mm. And so he does this—he has this whole thing where he bases his paranormal uh, world on alien technology. And I don't—I hope that's—I don't think that's too much. Of it. You get that pretty early in yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah. And so because of because of that, we kind of jump 300 plus years into the future from his original series, but it's the same technology that creates the magic
2: in this kind of future fantasy world Mm -hmm. and it's you know none of the characters know the real history of where the magic came from um and there there are hints of it you know there's legends and stories and that was for me that was the fun i i love high fantasy but i don't i felt trapped i always felt trapped by writing a high fancy that you'd have to develop this like thousand year history to really make it. So I'd like Tolkien. I, I feel like that was like the standard. And with this it was awesome that there's, there's like a hundred books you can read before the age of magic that give out that history. It's got a rich past before our characters enter the scene. And our characters only know about that stuff in terms of myths and stories from the old day legends about the gods of old and stuff like that. So trying to come up with a a form where the, the magic was technical in nature, you know, it's, it's connected to, as Chris said, Michael's alien technology, um, but does it feel technical to any of the characters involved in it. To them, it's 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 religion. That was kind of the idea behind it.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Do you, have you guys had anything that's inspired you? Anything in your writing that uh, that has really led to your inspiration today?
3: Ooh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really interesting because we work with. I've been really inspired. We work with all these other authors now. So since we wrote the rise of magic. One of the things that we've been doing in Michael's company is that we're the showrunners. We're like the managers for this entire age, the age of magic. So all the stuff like revolving around our universe. And now we're also managing the age of madness, which is like zombie books right before ours. So Michael needed zombie (laughs) books. And I'd say, I'd say, I'd say the most inspirational thing for me is actually the stuff that our collaborators are doing. Yeah. Like we... It's like an honor to work with these we're like managing these authors who are actually better than us. And um and man, some of their some of their work, like PT Hilton's book, you know, Stormcallers, Amy Hopkins work, uh, Candy Crumb. I mean, if readers are interested in fantasy, we yeah, have I don't even know how many books are in the age now. We crossed the 30. Yeah, uh, it's 30 plus books in the age, and these authors just write really kick-ass stories. Yeah. So I would say I would say they inspire me to write better books.
2: And um It's nice that part of our job is like reading, reading these authors' works. Yeah, I've always that's that's just been the dream my whole life. I mean, even more than being a writer, I just wanted a job where I could read for a living, and it's like cool. And also, I have this like annoying habit my wife would call it, where I like talk to the TV after we watch a movie and like, oh, this is I don't like this. I really like this. this and And like now, I can share my feedback willingly. And all of our collaborators love it all the time yeah. to hear, so to hear my feedback. Back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, I'll give a specific that
3: is inspirational. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tentative to do it because all of our writers that write with us and, you know, in the age are great, but PT Hilton, his ability to create like very creative and imaginative, uh, kind of magic suites, power suites, And, uh, you know, magical moves and things like that, the guy is just really good. Mm-hmm. And so I'll read something that he writes and I'm like, oh, I wish I thought of that. Mm-hmm. And it'll inspire me to kind of think differently about how we construct our magical, you know, kind of mechanisms and stuff.
2: Yeah, because that's the thing. When you're when you're working with anything paranormal or supernatural you've changed the laws of physics it's hard for those laws to like stay in place like once you break one law it just like spirals out of control and the age of magic has been kind of fun especially you know with six different more than us so you know eight different authors writing in it all with their own ideas and pulling different directions like how can we keep it contained so it all feels the same and let everyone kind of explore differently and i think yeah pt's books early on were really helpful with that that he he could come up with ways like all right this is this is the twist I'm going to put on it for my series, and this is how it's going to work. And that kind of kept the series on a cool track, I thought. So something that, you know, as we work on new series, to, to think about it for ourselves for sure. What, like throwaway decisions? Like, oh, it'd be cool if the character did this. And then like eight books later, it's like, oh, crap, that changes everything. Everything is dependent upon this this one line we wrote in. So that, that kind of forward-thinking thing. Yeah. Yes, totally. they
3: would. They The community of readers, they know our books better than we do. Mm-hmm. Like they'll call us out on something.
2: I'm like, I don't really remember writing
3: that, mm-hmm. but I'll take your word for
2: it. Well, the collaborators will ask us questions uh, like, hey, just – I need a reminder. What did this character – what was their backstory? What did they do? And I'm like, ah, you would be easier to ask, <laughs> easier to put it up on the Facebook page. They'll fill you in um, than asking me. Yeah.
0: I couldn't imagine that kind of pressure. I, I took a phone call at work today, and three other people in the office heard me say something completely different from what I thought I said, and we had to look. At <laughs> so, uh, it sounds like parenting. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so what? Yeah. What's coming soon from uh, from from uh, Lee Barbant and Chris Raymond?
3: Ah, uh, why don't you talk about Forgotten Gods for a little bit?
2: Yeah. So we're super excited. The the shortest way to describe it is it's urban fantasy. But it's an emerging urban fantasy is what we've been calling it. So unlike something like uh, – well, even Death Becomes or Michael series where this unknown world has existed all this time and the main character kind of finds it and has to discover it. Uh, or something like uh, – this is not a great example, but it's just the one on my mind. Bright on Netflix where the urban fantasy world exists and every it opens. one knows that it exists. Exactly. you know, you got to start off with the history. Our book starts off in the world as pretty much the world as we know it. And then the urban fantasy elements come back into it. So, not only are we exploring the evolution of our characters, uh, we're exploring the evolution of the world itself uh, as it's running around it. So, it's we have a pantheon of gods that have been exiled, uh, and they are returning to Earth, and they're not great people, uh, is the the nicest way to say it. Um, and so, their return sparks chaos and war and violence. And we've had we you know we've kind of fallen in love with our main character, our hero uh, Vic, as she kind of. She never she's never thought of herself as a great person either um but she's kind of found herself in this place of all right but i ha- I have to stop these people that's that's my duty that's the job at hand and so a lot of yeah a lot of a lot of kicking ass a lot of we think clever and creative explorations of what urban fantasy creatures and monsters could look like trying to put our own twist on things that's pretty cool is it okay to say it's pretty cool our own book yeah we're excited I think it's pretty cool. I, I am enjoying reading them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, uh, so I know you guys
0: used to do the uh, the podcast, uh, which is on hiatus. We'll say it that
2: way. But mm-hmm. how, how, can mm-hmm. readers, uh, how can readers, how can people find you today? For me, Twitter is the my favorite way to talk with folks. It's because Lee's
3: under – well, I can't say you're under 30 anymore. Yeah, I'm that's 30. Like I'm, I'm yeah. a
2: mature individual who likes you're Twitter. You're no longer my 20-something friend. <laughs> <laughs> but we set up Facebook groups for our, our different series. So um, we really encourage our fans to join those Facebook groups because that way not only can they interact with us, which is awesome, but they can interact with other fans in the series. And that's like the coolest thing ever when we see our fans talking about an idea, talking about what they like, talking about what they don't like, um, talking about what they – our thinking is going to come forward down the pike. So I don't, that's, that's just like really cool to me to see this thing that we make, uh, kind of come to life all on its own on those Facebook groups.
3: Yeah. So one group is, uh, uh, forgotten gods. Uh, we can send you the links if you want to put it into the show notes, but yeah. forgotten gods for the new series, the age of magic is where all the collaborators come together. And then, uh, CM Raymond and Ellie Barbant on Facebook were pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. And if people want to drop us a line, um, yeah, we can share our emails and stuff. We we give out. A, I'll give you uh, Lee's cell phone number. People can just call him anytime. Oh yeah, perfect. perfect. Yeah, yep. he's usually awake till about four a.m. So yeah, it's helpful if you're in a in a Western time zone. We actually um uh, we, we do have a website, but it, it's uh, pathetic. So we don't really send people there. No. So no, I don't like it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> don't go to the website.
0: That's okay. But you do have, we do we, you do have a newsletter
3: though? Oh, we do, we do, and um I can
2: give a link for a landing page for the oh, newsletter. Yeah.
3: That's probably the easiest way to do it. Um, Or people can hit me up on Facebook and I can send that along. Uh,
2: All of our books are on Amazon. All of them are on Kindle Unlimited. Every one on Kindle Unlimited. And a fair number of them are on Audible as well. So several options. You can buy print copies of a lot of them too. So Yeah. Lots of options. We get around. Yeah. (laughs)
3: We're working on the film strip.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. That's that's the true. That's the true dream. That's the true dream. That's right are going retro. I'd love to do comics as well, so if any of your listeners are like, you know, comic artists that are, are bored and want to write to write, want to a do series, free work, yeah, contact drop us. On. Contact us. <laughs> 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 All right.
0: So what are we going to hear today? Uh, tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear as far as the book.
3: Okay, so we thought the best idea was to give the prologue and chapter one. Prologue's pretty short, but prologue and chapter one of Forgotten Gods, which is not yet released. It's still... Uh, it's Been through an edit, so I think that it's good to read. Uh, it might have a few tweaks, yeah. We're but just this
2: told, is, this well, is, we'll find them, we'll find them, yeah. We'll reading. find I'll, we'll I'll, just, them. I'll
3: be cringing over here in the corner. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but this is the first time, besides our editor, that people are hearing it, so or getting a taste of it. So, this is like a special
2: preview, yeah. All right, um, oh, can I just one point oh, yeah, of context. Please. So the books are written first person. They're going to be from our main character's perspective. Oh, our, she's a female. Yeah. Um, so, you, so you're going to have to hear the voice. Yeah, I'm not doing a voice. That will be no fun for anybody. But for these books, our prologue and epilogue are written from third person, from someone else's perspective. So we're going to start with the prologue, one character's perspective, and then shift over to uh, our, our MC's perspective. And that's what the rest of the book will be like from her, from her point of view.
0: Okay. All right. And this is the upcoming book about the American God?
2: yep yeah yeah we call it american gods but like fun
3: <laughs> yeah it's like american gods but uh
2: fast and fun yeah yep
0: <laughs> What what is the title of it
3: it's forgotten gods
0: forgotten gods okay all right
3: it was funny because i was reading american gods while we were writing this and uh lee had to keep slapping me and
2: say pick up your pace i love american gods it really is a cool book and a cool inspiration for this but definitely a different tone Very than different. We're, we're aiming for
0: Awesome. Well, hey, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I forgot to do this with Michael, but I did get his blessing later. But uh, so will you guys come back and get another another book,
2: another episode down the road? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I'll come back. I'll, t- I'll, read, I'll yeah. read the whole book next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime you
3: want, Jason. Anytime you want. Yeah.
0: Huh? Oh, fantastic.
3: Uh, this has been fun. Yeah,
0: uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have, uh, sounds like the world premiere of uh, Lee Barbant and Chris Raymond's book, Forgotten <coughs> Gods.
3: Well, get my uh, get my reading voice on. You're so nervous. Yeah, I am so nervous. <laughs> I haven't done this before. <laughs> Prologue. A labyrinth of gleaming hallways stretched before, twisting and turning to a thousand ends. To the uninitiated, it might have looked daunting, but for those who had dwelled in the honeyed hills of Carcerum since its conception... The palace of Cronin, hero king of the gods, was as familiar as home. That was, after all, what he had meant it to be. A new home for old, old people. Things had not quite turned out that way. Marcus took the next turn so fast that the soles of his boots slipped on the ever-polished floor. He dug the tip of his spear down into the surface, using it as a fulcrum to launch himself forward with even greater speed. The spear left a gouge in the soft gold that in days past, would have been swiftly mended. Now it hardly mattered, for Carcerum would likely be empty soon. The Centurion had a dreadful suspicion that he was already too late. The door to Cronin's royal chamber lay at the end of a long corridor, its ceilings vaulting into crisscross shadows. The torches ensconced on the walls were out, except for the two at the very end, and yet he could see the shapes of the two guards standing sentinel before the towering door. For a moment, Marcus felt a flicker of hope, but the moment passed as he saw the guards were not cronins, but rather the twisted creations of an evil mind. His fears all but confirmed. Marcus fell back on the hardened instincts of former glory. Gripping tightly to the shaft of his spear, he raised the weapon and charged forward. A battle cry erupted from the warrior's lungs. If this was to be his last great stand, he was going to make it in style. The pale creatures steeled themselves. Their swords met over the doorway, blade to blade. The challenge was clear, but Marcus did not stop or even slow his advance. He had fought and killed greater beings than these. They fell beneath his spear like blades of grass, their bloodless armor clattering to the floor. Pallid skin on gaunt faces faded into the realm beyond, but the soldiers hardly took notice. Of course, his great foe had already been through there. These men were not protecting their king, but keeping aid from reaching him. The black truth could not be denied any longer. Marcus was too late after all. The great door burst open at his second blow raining golden shrapnel from its ornate carvings. The spear clenched in Marcus's hands paused involuntarily in its quest for enemy blood. He felt the breath rush out of his lungs. He had long envisioned such a sight in his nightmares, but never dared to think it might come true. Cronin, Marcus's god and king, his hero, knelt before the throne. There was a gaping hole in his back where he had been betrayed, and standing before him was the betrayer, pale and tall, like a man who had been stretched too thin. Lorcan, the self-proclaimed god of shadow. The centurion roared in anger and in anguish, but the creature before him only smiled, then motioned his head. A dozen of Lorcan's forces swarmed toward the door. Marcus charged forward, but the old warrior soon found himself captured in a circle bristling with gnashing weapons. He tightened his grip on the spear, swinging it with a vigor that might have looked like careless abandon. This time there was blood. Lorcan's curse had yet to take hold fully of these bodies. The howling scream of death rose in Marcus's ears, but he kept turning toward the throne. Above all else, he needed to reach Cronin. Then with a flash of golden light, he saw his king before him, waging a battle of his own. Even in his final moments, the Sovereign was a vision of glory. His blade slashed an arc the same color as his palace. So many of its strikes were true. Marcus could see the sword shining despite the haze of blood hanging in the air and running down his eyes. It was magnificent enough that the loyal centurion almost failed to notice he had been stabbed. His body jerked forward from the force. He whirled around and the point of his spear removed the assailant's head from his body. An empty torso thudded to the ground. A moment later, so did Marcus. Another traitor moved forward, ready to pounce on the fallen warrior. The man raised a wicked blade, preparing to cut Marcus in half. But before the weapon could fall, the man's chest exploded in a burst of light, a perfect golden sword sticking through it. As the man fell, Marcus could see the face of his king. Cronin smiled down at his servant and then collapsed. Marcus pulled himself across the blood-slick golden tile, striving to reach the king before his soul departed. Just one of the wounds on his royal body would have proved fatal to a mortal, or even a lesser god. Even in death, Cronin was without a peer. Marcus hoped his killer understood that, and he hoped it made him burn with rage. The king looked up with clouding eyes. Your majesty, Marcus said, unable to find other words. Behind the din of shouts and footsteps clattered from the hallway, Cronin reached up with a shaky hand and pulled his servant down with the last of his breath. The footsteps clamoured closer. Take this. He pressed the hilt of his sword into Marcus's palm and protect my people. Then he was gone. Alone, the centurion glanced down at the object in his hand, and at once his mission crystallized. He tucked the sword hilt into his belt. By the time the voices came pouring through the throne room's broken door, he had managed to regain his feet. His broad height cast an imposing shadow on the floor. Stop, someone shouted. Bodies surged toward him, hands outstretched, ready to seize him. Marcus gazed once more upon his dead king, and then he bolted for the window. No light graced the sky save for the pinpricks of distant stars. The way down was long, very, very long, but it was the only way left. He did not look back as he mounted the windowsill and leapt out into the night. The clamor from the ruined throne room faded away. Marcus fell.
2: Chapter One Sitting in a shitty dive in Brooklyn Heights, I tried not to stick out like a sore thumb. The place was full of mobster lackeys swarming the dirty bar like locusts in a cornfield. Normally, a leggy, emerald-eyed brunette in knee-high boots wouldn't stand a chance. They'd be on me the second I walked through the door. Tonight, I was not in the mood to be mistaken for prey. Luckily, the lights were mercifully low. The bar was so dark, I could barely see the guy across the table, but I already knew what he looked like. All these guys were the same. Bulldog jowls, necks like a tree trunk, and a million rings squeezed onto their sausage fingers. Most of that fancy jewelry was of the costume variety, unless the man wearing it was the real deal and high up in the ranks. This poor bastard was about as low down as you could get. He said his name was Frank, although I was sure he thought I didn't remember. The shot glasses lined up in front of me like drunken soldiers certainly spoke to a night that had gone far beyond the human power of recall. Little did he know I had bribed the man pouring the booze. Half water, half whatever-the-hell kind of jet fuel we were drinking, so I was buzzed but still ready to rumble. It's not a good idea to be three sheets to the wind when you've got a man to kill. I put my elbows on the table, cupped my chin in my hands, and smiled at him. He smiled back, all undone tie and slightly crooked teeth. He probably pictured himself like De Niro in his prime, but he looked more like he had just eaten Joe Pesci. The shadow on his jaw made him look even grimmer than he already did in the dim light. I felt a little sick, but I hadn't gotten as deep in the shit as I was by backing down, and I knew I had deeper yet to go. Tell me something about yourself, Frankie. The trick was to make my voice as sugary-sweet as possible, the kind of tone that would rot the teeth straight out of your mouth if you let it. These guys ate that shit up, and Frank, bless his heart, was no exception." His grin spread, and he leaned back in his chair. I'm an open book, sweetheart. What do you want to know? What I really wanted to know was exactly how much force it would take to shove an open book down his throat. But I had to play nice until he gave me what I needed. After that, all bets were off. Well, I looked at my nails, which had been specially painted for this little charade. I heard you're pretty famous around here. He barked out a coarse, phlegmy laugh. He tried to play off the compliment like it didn't faze him, but he couldn't resist puffing out his chest. I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask. Aw, oh, come on. He downed his next shot and slapped another bill on the table. We were drinking for money, and from the looks of it, he had half his life savings piled up in front of him. A man his size going against a woman like me. It was an easy bet, one that he was about to lose spectacularly. Joke's on you, ass hat, I thought. Never underestimate a girl in stilettos and a slinky dress. You're way up there with the big boss, aren't you? I asked, taking my shot and slapping a bill on the table. No need to be shy about it. Maybe I was pressing my luck a little, but he was too sloshed to notice. Frank hiccuped. Uh, "'I ain't nothing next to Rocco,' he gestured to the money. "'This look like a lot to you? "'If Rocco dropped that kind of cash on the street, "'he wouldn't even blink an eye,' a sleazy grin reappeared. "'I'm flattered, though, really. "'And you should be.' "'I traced the edge of a shot glass seductively, "'watching his eyes follow the tip of my finger around the rim. "'I think you sell yourself short, Frank. "'Rocco Durant can't be that big of a deal, Kenny.' "'Again, he wheezed out a laugh. "'I wondered if he was going to have a heart attack "'and die right there on the filthy floor.' It would have spared me the displeasure of his company, but right then I needed him alive. I had chose my mark with precision. No one else in the that hellhole was as likely to tell me what I needed to know. Dollface, you best not get caught talking like that. Rocker runs this town. He made a loose fist and banged it clumsily on the table. The glasses jumped, clinking. Hey, Frankie! Someone shouted. You break 'em, you buy 'em. This first-class quip was met by a chorus of guffaws. I caught a strong whiff of mean booze. A crowd was forming around us, closing in. I lowered my voice. I'm sure he's got people like you whispering in his ear left and right. I prodded gently, trying to ignore Frank's compatriots. I didn't like their intent, hungry looks. What's it like to be the man behind the curtain? We were getting warmer. A few more minutes of this kind of talk and I'd be home free. Frank's face fell a little bit. The corners of his mouth sagged. He looked down at his giant, meaty hands, and I braced myself for something unpleasant, such as alcohol-induced vomiting. But in the next instant, his expression cleared. It's great, he said. Nobody messes with you if you're with Rocco. There was a weird flatness in his tone. I brushed it off. Frank's workplace woes weren't my concern. I shot him a skeptical look. Don't tell me he looks tougher than you. The guy smirked. Now I know you're putting me on, little lady. Maybe thirty years ago, I could have given him a run for his money, but nowadays? He shook his head. It takes a special kind of man to pull off that scar, right across the face. He drew three fingers down from the temple to lip, hooked at the knuckles like claws. I leaned forward, coyly to disguise the fact that my interest had just skyrocketed. "'Sounds dangerous.' "'Too dangerous for the likes of you,' Frank replied with a yellowed smile. It was a strange, almost kind thing for him to say. He glanced around the bar, peering through the low light. "'You know, he's here tonight. I could point him out if you really want to see him.' There it was. I dropped my hands beneath the edge of the table, upending it in one smooth motion. The shot glasses, not all of which were empty, smashed on the floor around our feet, sending glass shards and cheap liquor everywhere.' As I lunged toward Frank, I reached to the slit in my skirt and pulled my revolver free of its holster. The other flunkies stumbled backward, cheap suits and ties flapping, a flock of squawking vermin. Someone screamed. Frank's chair clattered roughly to the floor beneath our combined weight. He stared up at me, bleary-eyed and stunned. I forced open his mouth with the barrel of the gun and shoved it down until I heard him gag. Then I shouted at the top of my lungs to be heard over the chaotic roar that had mounted in the room. If anyone moves, I'll blow his brains out. No one moved, but they didn't stop talking. That was fine by me. I dropped my voice and jerked the revolver out of Frank's crawl. He gasped. What the hell are you doing? Are you crazy? Where's Rocco? I demanded. He blinked, too stunned or drunk to speak. Maybe I'd let our drinking game go on a little too long. I repeated myself more slowly. Where is Rocco? No answer. So I cocked the hammer with my thumb. The eyes bulged out of Frank's head. I couldn't help but feel a little sorry for the poor guy. I wasn't going to kill him. Every bullet I had was strictly reserved for Rocco Durant. Of course, I wasn't about to tell Frank that. I let him gape on the floor. He'd stopped trying to fight me off, and I appreciated that. Maybe we could get along after all. Under different circumstances, anyway. At that moment, not a single asshole in that shitty dive was my friend. The sound of a door opening caused a tense silence to fall on the bar. Frank's popping eyes tracked to the left, and I followed his miserable gaze. A man, built like a brick shithouse, entered the bar, flanked by four of his goons, two on each side. The scar on his sneering mug cut through one icy eye. It wasn't white like it was in the movies. It was red. Our eyes locked across the room. He narrowed at me. I raised my revolver and pulled the trigger.
1: And there you go. That was Chris Raymond and Lee Barbon reading Forgotten Gods, their brand new book, Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this book. I'm so happy that it just came out. So, uh, like you, I'm going to have to go out and pick up a copy right away. Hey, don't forget to head over to uh, Facebook and like our page. Don't forget to email us if you have any questions or if you have an offer you want to an interview. It's uh, samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Bye.